Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Scott Luton, Greg White, and Kevin L. Jackson here with you for today's Supply Chain Now buzz. So welcome to today's live stream. Greg, how are we doing today? Quite well. Big day for my family yesterday, of course, World Cup, Argentina wins. Good to see something really good happen to Argentina. And in classic fashion, we had it won. And Messier also. What's that? Yeah. Messi, yeah. Messi, yeah. He said he scored in every round yeah. uh, of the um, cut. I mean, that's something else. Yeah. And, man, and Mbappe, who I'm a big fan of also because he plays on the Tottenham Hotspur, uh, wow, almost single-handedly took that game back. Just unbelievable game. Uh, it shows the power of Scott. We talked about this earlier today of when you have somebody down, put them down harder, right? <laughs> uh, because they let up, right? They let up. And and then of course, France came back a really quality team. And then eventually it goes to penalty kicks in um, a- after extra time. And of course the chiefs won in uh, backward fashion. Anyway, it was a great day. Discovered a new state. Well, at least you won. Also, yes. The Giants beat the Commanders. Hey, I got to tell you, Kevin L. Jackson, that was a great <laughs> game. And I am still a Taylor Heineke fan. fan. I love and I, every time he comes up with a new Heineke maneuver that saves somebody's life. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm still in mourning. Mm. Are you? I'm still in mourning. <laughs> Too soon. I double overtime loss against army i'm going to be in mourning for years oh yeah gosh yes that was tough to watch yeah plus navy's getting a new coach right navy's getting and 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 the the coach that they are forcing out was i think the all-time winningest coach at navy all-time winner yes yeah gotta beat army though um, i mean gotta beat army that's that's the job that's right Uh, that and make more progress toward winning the commander's cup uh, i read um, we'll no, tie didn't into even your have a chance this year. Didn't even have right. a chance. Well, okay. So we're getting a full blown sports lead off yeah, here right? at uh, on the weekend. supply chain buzz. Crazy, <laughs> crazy stuff happened this weekend, really, right. sports wise. I just want to put out there sorry, if you ask me a question and I don't answer right away, that's because I'm still shopping. I just started. Okay. So I'm on Amazon. <laughs> hey, Kevin. Hey, Kevin. I figured this would be a good Christmas. You know, I can do the buzz and Christmas shop is too. next weekend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got no time. Well, uh, never fear. I'm sure if anyone can get it all done in less than a week, it is one Kevin L. Jackson. So, but folks, Speaking of less than a week, we got about an hour to walk through some of the biggest topics and news across the world of global business and global supply chain. And on today's show, it is the Digital Transformers edition of the Supply Chain mm-hmm. Buzz, right? Every Monday, yes. 12 noon Eastern time, uh, where we tackle some leading stories. So we're going to be, we got a variety of uh, topics and news to talk about here today and get ready because we want to hear from you as well. So y'all bring it. We're going to say hello to a few folks here in just a second. Uh, by the way, this is Timely. Hello, Shelly. She is shopping too, Kevin. Latest she's ever been shopping, <laughs> Shelly Phillips. <laughs> so, well, that's the thing um, this year, frankly. I mean, a lot of people are not only shopping later, though I think the speculation was, and even some experts thought we would shop earlier with all these earlier deals, but they're shopping later, and it appears they are buying substantially less. That's so, right. It's going to be an interesting uh, report on on peak season. Well, we're going to dive right into it in January, and, and we'll review the numbers on future Buzz episodes. What were you saying, Kevin? What's different this year? You don't hear a lot about supply chain. Last year, it wasn't Christmas. It was supply chain sucks, you know? <laughs> we have this backup in this port, and no many containers there, and we're not going to get this, and we're not going to have Christmas. And, it, you it know, sucks in a whole new way. Any stories. This this is sort of uh, it, it's funny, Kevin, because it sucks in a, a whole new way. And this is sort of a <laughs> historical uh, pendulum swing of supply chain, right? We're 
We're completely yeah. out of stock, so buy, 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 buy. We're completely overstocked, and the pendulum swings back and forth because companies typically over overreact, as we humans tend to do when we get involved in this process. We tend to overreact, and that's where we are now. The, the lead stories for next year could be about the financial difficulties that a number of retailers and brands will be having because they are so overstocked on goods. And markdowns, right. of course, markdowns will inevitably be the story. So um, let, let's uh, changing gears as we get into, we got four stories to walk through here today with one and only Greg White and Kevin L. Jackson. So uh, stay tuned. Stop pushing us, Greg. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> the stay on task, boys. In case anyone missed but, it. Uh, so a couple of program notes, right? So this would be the last buzz edition of the year, right? We've got with uh, Christmas and New Year's next couple weekends, um, we're going to be skipping, working behind the scenes, but you won't see us live the next two Mondays. But with that said, come January, it is off to the races. And uh, rather than having the Digital Transformers and Kevin O. Jackson with us every third Monday, uh, starting in February 2023, it's going to be every second Monday. So mark your calendars and don't miss those. Um, the other couple things I want to share with folks, y'all may have seen it over the weekend. Uh, Yoda here, a generous you are, donate you will. This was uh, our um, do good. This is our do good edition of our With That Said LinkedIn newsletter. It goes out at least once a week. Sometimes you get some bonus episodes. Um, and we really tackled some of the leading and highly vetted that we've all vetted um, organizations, uh, uh, Vets to Industry, the Dave Krejci Foundation. Um, American Logistics Aid Network, and then many others. So y'all check that out. You've got, here in the States at least, Kevin and Greg, there is, uh, what, 11, 12 more days of uh, maybe making a tax impact uh, for this year. Y'all check out those nonprofits and give if you can. Um, And then finally, we have got our last, one of our last live streams tomorrow, 12-20, December 20th, and we're really focusing on supply chain and manufacturing opportunities Next year and beyond, I'm joined with by Rob Tiffany and some friends from SAP and Deloitte. And we're also going to be talking about the digital divide, which is a big opportunity. In fact, Greg and Kevin, as part of tomorrow's special show, we're able to um, extend a big donation to uh, the nonprofit folks over at Elevate Our Kids who are doing some really great things related to bridging that digital divide. So join us tomorrow at 12 noon Eastern time and be a part of the conversation. Okay, Kevin and Greg, programming notes, done, check. Um, we've got <laughs> four, four stories uh, teed up. Let's say hello to a few folks. How's that sound, Greg and Kevin? Hanukkah started yes, last sir. night, by the way. So uh, I'd love to know what anybody got for a gift on the first night. That is a great question, folks. Happy Hanukkah. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to all y'all out there. So for folks that uh, are uh, observing Hanukkah, what'd y'all get on the first night? It's a great question, Gregory. Yeah, I love hearing that. It's, <laughs> you know, because you work during the Jewish holidays in a lot of cases, right? So when you're working, yeah. everybody comes to work and they're like, oh, guess what I got last night? <laughs> <laughs> this year, it aligns so well with Christmas, right? So that's right. very, very rare, different calendar. Agreed, agreed. Okay. Uh, so y'all chime in. Uh, and by the way, hello, Gary Smith from down there, not too far from where Greg is, St. Simon's Island. Yeah, he's just down the coast, not too far. I think about a two-hour drive. Okay, Gary, great to see you. Uh, Nizreen, great to see you via LinkedIn. Let us know where you're tuned in from. Shashi, back with us from UAE. Great to see you via LinkedIn. David tuned in uh, out of Modesto, California mm. via LinkedIn. Great to see you, David. Uh, of course, Josh Goody, Greg, and Kevin, light and snowy, light snowy, light snow <laughs> in Seattle. Uh, great to see you. Hey, Sylvia's with us uh, from the holy city of yep. Charleston, of course. Yeah. So great to see you. Welcome, everybody. Okay. So, Greg and Kevin, are we all ready to dive into our first story of the day? Yes, sir. All right. Are you ready to go, Greg? Buckled in, ready to go. Had your Wheaties? Yeah, let's go. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're talking about uh, future proofing, future proofing supply chains from our friends at Capgemini. Um, In particular, future future proofing, say that 17 times fast. 
future proof. Leveraging a digital transformation, of course. Uh, I would argue maybe uh, prior to the pandemic, we didn't do nearly as much future proofing as we probably need to be doing. But Kevin, tell us, uh, give us some highlights of this take care. Well, you know, we always talk about mitigating risk, but the challenge for organizations is not just mitigating risk, but to future-proof uh, their supply chains. Uh, a future-proof supply chain incorporates some real key characteristics like uh, resilience and agility and also digital technologies, which which pay, play a real critical role uh, for organizations because they can organizations can leverage this uh, digital technology to enable end-to-end visibility, uh, dynamic operations, and and process integration uh, for their supply chain. Further, they can accelerate uh, their uh, future proofing by working closely with their third-party providers. Uh, In fact, according to Statistica, by 2023, next year, spending on technologies and services that enable digital transformation is expected to reach $2.3 trillion. Wow. And, and I talked about that, that future-proofing, like you need to build dynamic operating models that, that meet your strategic business vision and adapt quickly to the company's changing needs. You need to integrate your processes to eliminate silos and transform the use of your systems and technologies from piecemeal, uh, you know, strung together with chicken wire to, to collaborative. <laughs> uh, and you need to make your operations transparent. You got to show what you're doing by ensuring visibility across your supply chain and enabling smooth operations and proactive mitigation of risk by working together uh, using real-time information tracking. So that's really how you future-proof your supply chain. Okay. Greg, what would you add when you think of future-proofing supply chains? Well, I think what's really uh, poignant in what Kevin's saying is that notice it wasn't all about technology. It's about processes. It's about organizational structure, right? It, it is, in some cases, just getting away from manual processes, which you guys know, I feel strongly that a spreadsheet is still <laughs> a manual process, right? Um, Excel is still manual. That is not digital transformation. Um, but I, I think it's important for organizations to recognize that this isn't just about technology. It is about laying the groundwork to enable you to utilize technology because part of the dynamic of a digital transformation, and we've all seen this for years and years, is it is automated and it is fast. And if something is wrong, you find out on a large scale very, very quickly. And um, and long ago, companies figured out that they needed to they needed to engage the entire organization. They needed to have a very clear cut goal and build to try to reach outcomes rather than to try to tackle specific tasks in a specific Mm -hmm. way, right? You're not just automating your manual tasks. In some cases, you're eliminating the manual tasks or you're changing or transforming the structure or methodology of those things to meet uh, clearly set goals. So that's, that's a really, really important distinction. And by the way, something any company should be doing anyway. Even if you stay manual, your processes should always be constantly redesigned to be more effective. Mm. Please don't stay me. Right. Yeah, collaboration <laughs> is key. Yeah. yeah, collaboration is key. Yeah, well, you said proactive, Kevin. Right. I mean, I think that's another yeah. thing that you have to have to acknowledge. To future proof, you have to preempt in a lot of cases. Right. You have to at least if you you can't really predict the future, but sometimes it's more effective to pre to predict the impact of the future. If you, and maybe it's just as simple as starting with what's the weakest link in our process and let's fix that because that mm. is also future proofing. Just taking out those things that you know are weak today and you've gotten away with for a while, but the next big catastrophic black swan disruption, whatever you want to call it, event, mm-hmm. uh, 
um, could could uh, exploit that. So, All right, we need to have that game show host that can survey global supply chains and say you are the weakest link. Here is your weakest <laughs> link. That'd be good, huh? Um, yeah. Hey, really quick, uh, and Kevin, I'll give you the last word. But I want to point out, uh, speaking of future proofing. The U.S. Census Bureau, this number should surprise nobody, says the number of folks working from home grew from 9 million in 2019 to 27 million in 2021. And of course, we'll see how 2023 continues to impact that shift. But nonetheless, talk about you know cybersecurity, future-proofing, because that mm-hmm. the complexity and the just sheer amount of attacks hitting supply chains everywhere is going to continue to ramp up. And you know, working from home, the whole um, RTH factor certainly uh, also ramps up the complexity of protecting your supply chain uh, cybersecurity measures. Um, Kevin, you were going to add one last word on this first story. Well, one thing, uh, once again, it's not the technology, it's leveraging technology to help people better connect and have people better communicate with each other. So, um, that's what digital transformation and that's what future proofing is all about mm. enabling your people. Well said, well said. Okay. So I'm going to share a couple of quick comments and then we're going to move on to story number two, man. We've got a ton of folks getting ready to go uh, this <laughs> morning. Uh, Josh, probably the fastest year he's had, I think from a shopping standpoint, those overstock issues make it great for the deals of the day for Christmas shopping, his self indulgence on books and wireless headphones. Wireless headphones. Okay. All right. <laughs> he must be. He must uh, lose them frequently. That's all. What I'm guessing. <laughs> drop out of his ear into the snow in right. Seattle. Uh, Catherine goes goes back to what Greg was saying. Hey, Scott has his programming notes and is checking them twice, keeping us on schedule. Thank you, Catherine. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, stay on the nice list. Right. Oh yes, absolutely. Uh, uh, Charbel. Uh, Wireless uh, headphones. Uh, <laughs> uh, Charbel tuned in from Montreal via LinkedIn. Great to see you here today. Welcome, welcome. And finally, Kim Winter from Dubai. Merry Christmas, all. He says, Kim, hope this finds you well. Hey, yeah. forward to- hey you know, I'm going to Dubai uh, early next year. I'm going to be going to Dubai a couple of times next year. Also, Abu Dhabi. So uh, stay tuned. Watch out, Kim. Oh, oh, well. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> make sure you connect with Kim because he can show you all the places, all the places of the world, but particularly in the UAE. So, yeah. Uh, all right. Never, it. never a truer statement hath been made, Greg. Great, great point out, uh, call out there. Uh, and hey, first time, uh, first time listener viewer, uh, Josh from Winder, Georgia. It's well, first welcome. time listening, loves a laid back, but informative format. Thank you, Josh. Appreciate that feedback and happy Monday to you. Okay. Kevin, <laughs> Kevin and Greg, uh, let's move into story number two. Let's pop up this graphic here. So story number two, speaking of organization, uh, no, 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 that's our third story. I'm not ready for our third story yet. Speaking of <laughs> digital transformation strategy <laughs> and what are some, <laughs> what are some of those elements that will take it to the next level this piece from how, how would you call this publication greg raconteur raconteur yeah. okay right it's french <laughs> what we they should, said uh, it's french so we should ask josh okay how to actually pronounce it but i think it's raconteur is that a is that a raccoon trapper? Is <laughs> <laughs> uh, a raccoon trapper? Uh, to get the uh, raccoons. Oh uh, boy, with Jack White in it. I know that the raconteurs. Oh man! All right. So this piece from what they said uh, as a publication uh, says it's all about people and culture, which is one of the things we touched on in the last story. So Kevin, unpack some of the, some of the key thoughts here. Well, you know, uh, having the right people and right culture is really crucial if companies want to be successful uh, with their digital transformation strategy. Uh, And this strategy has to keep up with the pace of technology, right? Uh, Digital transformation, transformation isn't a process that takes you from point A to point B uh, in order to unlock this uh, radical growth. It's a constantly changing and evolving mission, right? Uh, Data and how it can be accessed by every part 
of the business should be at the heart of your strategy. In fact, the 2020 survey of over 800 IT leaders from around the world, this was done by MuleSoft, found that 89% of respondents cited data silos as their biggest obstacle uh, to digital transformation. So once companies have improved the data flow uh, through their business, they should consider how trustworthy that data is. And, you know, employees may be a little resistant to change. Uh, people don't like change. I think that's part of human nature. Uh, but simply firing them and hiring somebody else in replacements is not the best move, okay? It also can be very costly. Instead, companies uh, need to really identify potential gaps in the employee's knowledge. That's what training is all about. And focus on reskilling uh, and upskilling uh, to provide these employees uh, with the right tools uh, so they can succeed in their role and to build the right environment and that right culture so that they can contribute to the innovation environment that digital transformation actually builds. Mm. Greg, uh, what would you add? I think it's, uh, well, what I'd add is we the secret of where Josh's head headsets have gone is solved. We'll, we'll show that later, which is very interesting. <laughs> um, and may require a digital transformation for him as well. But <laughs> so, so, so to our listeners, just, wow. so, just so they can connect the points there, but Greg's referring to Josh who recently typed in Greg between my cat and the heated spurs fan, his headphones go missing or are modified pretty often. So good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Greg, go right ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, look, I think, the important thing is that technology can get ahead of you if you don't set it up, as we just talked about in the previous conversation with, you know, with that, uh, with the right structure of organization. And, you know, companies have to, they have to recognize where their biggest opportunities are and they have to aim the technology at that. Um, I, I mean, this is, this is uh, kind of a, it's kind of a sidetrack, right? But, um, you don't just digitally transform everything all at once. You have to do like you would any other initiative. You have to target the biggest opportunities, those biggest pains in your organization, those things in some cases that actually solve something relatively simple for someone at the desktop. Because we've talked a lot about gaining buy-in to digital transformation or technology um, endeavors and that sort of thing. And buy-in isn't something you create. Buy-in is something that you enable because you solve the you solve the problems of the people you need to buy into any new initiative. So sometimes digital transformation can be a relatively simple thing. Just getting them a solution that replaces all the work they do in spreadsheets, for instance, that that produces obsolete data in too uh, you know and, and takes too much time to do so. Those simple wins can be very, very important for companies to be able to to get there. It, it's got to be about strategy whenever you undertake an initiative like this, but it's also got to be about quick wins, and quick wins are always on the desktop. We talk about, Kevin, we talk about yeah. digital transformation in boardrooms, and we talk about it in offices and conference rooms and, and in the ivory tower, but the truth is digital transformation is delivered on the desktop. Yeah, and you really have to, uh, that buy-in is, is, is really important. You can't force somebody to accept something. They have to understand it and has to be within the context of what's important to them. Exactly. You know, the within factor, what's in it for me. Right. Well said. Uh, let me share a couple of quick comments here, and then I'm going to share a factoid from Forrester. Uh, let's see here. Sylvia is talking about... Uh, she says the cost of a new employee to any organization is 3x the cost to coach and teach an existing employee. As one of yes. y'all was talking about that. Uh, T-Squared, who holds down the Fort Force on YouTube, says siloization is the ultimate roadblock to information quality. Hey, let, and that can is, we tackle that just real quick? Because that is an yeah, excellent point, as usual, by Tyrone. And, and you know, the, 
the point of that is um, information silos has always been an issue. It hasn't mm. always been a technology issue, but it's always been an issue. Do the salespeople know what the production people can produce and vice versa? Do, they, do the salespeople know what the production people or the planning people know about the marketplace, right? In the old days, we just called that information because it wasn't always it wasn't always electronic. But now every single aspect of what is written or captured or known or created about a situation is digital and is is data. And so if you think about it from anybody who's worked in the old days when you still communicated largely through paper or at least through email. Um, now, all of that is capturable information that can be used to break down those silos that can e be relatively easily shared internally. And to Kevin's point earlier, it enables the collaboration between enterprises. And there are a lot of enterprises that don't want to share their data because they're poor performers or bad actors or um, they don't trust their trading partners. Right. Um, all of which well, you know, foundational issues. Mm -hmm. You say bad actors. I'd, I'd rather say that they're um, they're traditional, right? <laughs> because uh, traditional business models have always been built around withholding information. Good point. Right. Um, so, uh, and as these, as you know, mercantile build around the world, you could make money by margins and the margins was driven by the information you had and your customer didn't have. And that become sort of has become part of human nature to withhold information and, and data. If it, if it's good, when you're working with others outside of the organization, it's even better when you're withholding information inside of the organization, all of that changed with the information revolution and the fact that everyone can get access to all information. So you try to withhold information and then your customer saying, I know that already. Why are you withholding it from me now? And I don't want to work with you. Mm, right. So all of the business models actually changed to providing information and enabling collaboration and sharing information. Uh, so that's how new business models are. That's what Uber is. That's what Airbnb is. It's, it's a sharing information. The API um, economy is all about sharing information. That's what's outside the organization. But now you got to bring it into the organization. Mm. And digital transformation is about eliminating the siloization of information mm -hmm. and data, just like it's being eliminated in external business processes, the new business models. Mm. Okay. Two quick comments, and then we're going to move on to the third story. Uh, one is loosely, very loosely related to digital transformation and uh, the workforce and how never make too many assumptions. So we're watching, me and my family are watching Home Alone 2 uh, a week or so ago, right? Getting ready for the holidays. And there's a scene where Kevin's mother, as she's lost Kevin, uh, finds a couple of uh, police officers. You, me. <laughs> oh, that's right. We got another connection here. Um, well, she stops by a couple of police officers or who are in their car. They're in their car sitting, hanging on, you know, on the side of the block. And the officer rolls the window down, right? To speak to Kevin's mother. And in that moment, all three, I see, you know, kind of a couple like, like this, you know, by one kid. And I realized that all three of my kids have never gotten into a car and rolled the window down. Like all, what's right. that? Greg? They had a window crank, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, they've always been in a whole different era. Right. Um, yeah. And that was a, a small, we had a similar Eureka moment with an old uh, 80s show that had a rotary phone, right? They've never, they're like, what is that? And a phone on a wire? What in the world? So, careful making assumptions when we're thinking about team members and what they've experienced, what they haven't, but um, separately, uh, separately going back to, so on the first story, Greg and Kevin, uh, we, we've kind of gone around the world already in the first half of the show, but Kevin was mentioning a, a, a budgets uh, getting bigger 
and and trillions of dollars. And I bet that was a the bigger definition maybe of digital transformation. Kevin, I didn't exactly hear that. Yeah, and, and um, uh, some investment into digital transformation, $1.2 trillion next year. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So with that as a backdrop, Forrester, uh, their research shows that CIOs spend some 70, 72% of their IT budgets, get this, on existing IT issues and only about 28% on innovation. So when you think of that ratio, man, how the ball is constantly moving and are, are we ready for what's around the corner or what's around maybe this, the second corner? So, of course, that's yeah. going to have to continue to shift more and more, especially as a rate of change continues to, to speed up. Um, okay. So with that said, um, let's move to the, <laughs> another, sorry. Another plug said, for the email newsletter. <laughs> another plug for it's you, Greg. It's hey. natural to the way he does, does things, right? <laughs> Too much. I, you know, my parents baked that into that email uh, uh, promo into my DNA. So I was wired from birth to, I guess, talk wired. about that. Um, okay. So I want to move along to uh, talking about uh how digital transformation perhaps and supply chain excellence perhaps has gone to the dogs. Okay. Mm, I'll with gone to the dogs. I like it. <laughs> so one, Greg, one. on one of your latest supply chain commentaries, really, this one got a lot of eyeballs, a lot of eardrums. I don't know uh, how many reactions and impressions, but off the charts, talk to us about the cool things that Chewy's up to, Greg. Yeah. 11,000 people or so have already have looked at this already so huge um so i mean but who doesn't love chewy i think that's probably the biggest attraction is is that it is chewy but look i I think this is a great example of a company that is uh, undertaking digital transformation but also physical transformation i mean first of all if anyone has an animal chances are good at least in the u.s that you have ordered something from chewy and you probably love them they are the sweetwater music of the pet industry the highest, unquestionably highest and best performer when it comes to customer experience and marketing and um, caretaking. I mean, this is an organization that when your dog passes, they make uh, a donation or send you, you know, something to commemorate the animal. Um, So they really care. And I think that has really garnered a lot of goodwill with a lot of people. But even the, even though they perform better than a lot of the companies in their industry and in e-commerce retail generally, they are still seeking to continue to, to be more efficient. So to give you an idea, what this story is about is about them putting more um, fulfillment centers closer to where their customers are so that they can deliver faster, uh, do it with a, a lower cost. And in fact, they have already um, are de- are delivering at an 18 to 20% lower cost. So this is a good news inversion of, of what we've been hearing about uh, fulfillment in, in e-commerce retail lately. And you know, Scott, for years, I've been questioning the long-range viability of e-commerce because it is so difficult to know what it costs to ship. And as we talk to, um, as we talk to people over the last several weeks, the cost continues to go up of the of the parcel shippers, um, and there are incredible complexities that are very difficult to discern for a lot of companies. We even um, heard a phrase I hadn't heard in a long time that I actually used for this: "Woo doggies," um, which <laughs> perfect for the perfect for the opening for this this discussion. Uh, but I think that that companies. Uh, the Chewy in particular is seeking to deliver better, faster, cheaper. And, you know, usually the question is you got three choices, pick any two. They have managed to accomplish to do all three. And that is a very, very rare, rare instance. So as I do in these commentaries, I tend to find companies uh, periodically where I hoist them up and say, figure out what they're doing, figure out how to make it work in your organization and copy that. I mean, that includes companies like Macy's of all places, Scott, um, who have, you know, companies who have come from the, the very bottom of, of the rung of the supply chain ladder, right, to near the top who have digitally and organizationally transformed their organizations to become leaders um, in, in terms of how they manage their supply chain and how they integrate it with their internal 
constituencies and with their trading partners. So mm. Jewy is really good at that. It's a re- it's a great read. Um, you can read my summary, yeah, on LinkedIn. I think well, we've dropped it in the comments, right? So we sure did. Uh, right here, and folks, don't just read his take. Comment. Let it. Let us know what you're thinking. Um, okay, Kevin. Uh, speaking of Chewy, speaking of some of the uh, supply chain excellence initiatives that yeah. uh, you've heard there, or their big emphasis uh, clearly on customer experience. Your thoughts, Kevin? Well, how do they know where their customers are? How do they know where to put the distribution centers? How do they know to go from big, huge, mega distribution centers to regional um, distribution centers or local distribution centers? And, and how do they know what products that their customers in those particular regions want or need. It's it's all data. It's all information. And it's all sharing of information and collaboration across their internal business processes. And even more important, they understand the value of the information. Just uh, collecting information about who your pet is, what's the name of your pet? Is your pet still alive or did your pet recently die? So they can actually reach out and and send condolences. Mm. I mean, that takes effort, but that means there's a focus on the end customers and their needs and what's important to them. And that's all information, that's all data, that's all collaboration, collaborating with the customer um, and that is really uh, putting humans first uh, and leveraging technology to put the human first. Uh, good stuff there, Kevin. Yeah. Greg, uh, can I put you on the spot about something? Why not? Oh. Okay. <laughs> Did you All have right. a choice there? <laughs> <laughs> so, is, can you get uh, me to answer? That's <laughs> Well, of course, you always, both of y'all, uh, fine gentlemen, have uh, ultimate veto authority. But since we've got an extra minute here, before moving to the fourth story, uh, I think this morning you were talking about, of course, the Koopa News over yeah. there. And now that you have to give it, you know, dive into a full blown commentary. But a couple of things, maybe, since it's so newsworthy and, and you know, on, on um, hot off the press, so to speak, right. in an old non digital transformation way, what's a couple thoughts there? Yeah. Uh, so for anyone who doesn't know, Coupa was recently uh, acquired by Toma Bravo, which is a big, big uh, PE group. Typically in the past, typically it's been for really old technology that has kind of maxed out its market reach. And they just then pull that into their ecosystem and just ride the subscriptions and licenses until everybody, all the customers kind of fade away, which amazingly depending on the side of the company, size of the company, can take 10 or 20 years or even more. Um, Coupa, I don't think necessarily is that kind of company, but it, it, is, it is a symbol of a larger issue that has started happening in the second half of this year as technology company valuations have been absolutely decimated. Um, some companies down 70, 80, 95% and more, depending on who they are. Um, and and some really quality organizations. I mean, at one point, Google was down 67% from their recent high uh, during this year. Now they've come back to be down only 37%, but still that gives you an idea of what the scale is. Earlier this year, investors have had it with technology companies' philosophy, the one that they promoted, by the way, the investors promoted, which is grow at any cost. I mean, we don't care about cash flow. We don't care about profit. We don't care about return on on invested capital, all of the things that usually indicate a uh, strong and growing company. Well, suddenly the tide turned around the middle of this year and all those companies' valuations got crushed. So what happens is these these private equity groups realize that these companies need to be retooled. Retooled, Scott, is a euphemism for cut 40% of the staff or some huge percentage of the staff. And, and, And then create EBITDA. Anthony Clervy commented on it on the commentary I did today on this on this Koopa thing. A very insightful recognition there. Um, but it is simply the the initiative is fully with the intent to pull Koopa out of the spotlight 
Avalara is another company that that's happened to, and there are many, many more. Um, but to pull these companies out of the spotlight, to retool them by, you know, uh, right sizing them, you know, changing their cost structures and getting them back profitable. And then when the market conditions are advantageous or at least somewhat, somewhat accommodating, bring them back public. So that is what is happening over and over and over again. Lots of companies that were intended to go public in the last couple of years have not gone public and are doing that because it's a lot easier to do something so devastating and distasteful as as um, give people the opportunity to seek career advancement elsewhere in huge, huge numbers when you don't have to report it to the public markets. Well, I appreciate that. In, in three minutes' time, it's a great um, uh, primer and commentary on what, what's taking place. Kevin, give you, again, no obligation, but quick comment for you before we move to the uh, fourth and final story, Kevin. The fact that change is constant, right? Mm. You know? <laughs> I mean, that's a good point, change Kevin. It's not the first time this sort of thing has happened. It will continue to happen and I think, in fact, accelerate. Um, and it will happen over the course of the next few years. While these companies' valuations are down, they'll essentially be forced to uh, have adult supervision now and and change to a different type of company. But they will all come out of it stronger, and they will all produce jobs when they are stronger as well. Yeah, it's also important also to know that the fundamentals are important. The business fundamentals are always important. Preaching. No matter what everybody tells you. Amen. Nice. I'm glad I'm glad we took a little departure. Good stuff. Uh all right. So finally, for our fourth uh development slash story uh topic here today, we're gonna be talking about um this perspective here from Sanjay Chube, CIO at Briggs and Stratton. Uh, who had a few thoughts when it comes to critical alignment between digital supply chain strategy and the operations side of the business. So, Kevin, what are some of your key points here? So, you know, we talk about this all the time, the transmission digitalization of the supply chain is really an imperative for, for many organizations. They, But they falter in developing their digital strategy or even aligning it with the imp- aligning their implementation uh, because they don't link it to business value. A digitalization must focus on becoming more proactive in meeting the needs of their digital customer. I mean, the audience is changing, right? Uh, these are digital natives, and you have to be digital as you interact with uh, your customers. That improves uh, productivity um, and your fulfillment metric. We're just talking about Chewy. That's exactly what they did. They knew that they had digital customers. They knew they could improve fulfillment. They leveraged data to do that. Uh, The expected outcome of these may not be completely realized in your company uh, for various reasons. First, if you have an incoherent uh, digital transformation strategy that doesn't consider the entire business value chain. This is especially true uh, if you're dealing with an interconnected supply chain network. I mean, you know, your supply chain has a supply chain that has a supply chain, and you have to look at the entire, uh, we we called it the, um, uh, that mesh, the supply chain mesh. Um, and a failure, or you may have a failure to provide the appropriate context of these digital tools that you're bringing to enable all the constituents, right? We, I said it earlier, these tools help the humans better communicate, better uh, collaborate, all right? But you, the humans need to know that context, why you're bringing this technology. They have to know that they're not bringing the technology in to replace the humans. You bring the technology in to help the humans. That's context. Uh, and, and also, no matter what organization you are, how big it is or how small it is, what product or service that you deliver, you have to understand the global environment. Uh, you have to have a global template 
um, and understand how that global template, how things are changing, the context of that global change, how it affects your local deployments and your local activities. Uh, and, and then finally, you need to appreciate the value of new digital products and services. And that includes building relationships and facilitating new types of alliances and agreements with your supply chain partners. Uh, the article also lays out a wonderful framework for digital transformation success. So uh, it's, it's highly recommended for your reading. CIO Applications is the, the, the source folks put out this article. Uh, Greg, your thoughts? All right, uh, the last point I think is the biggest point is there's a little bit of a playbook there, at least a framework for you to work from, uh, because I think a yeah. lot of companies don't know where to start. And, um, you know, zero to one is is the hardest place to get from and to. So um, I, I agree with Kevin and, and encourage companies to really go start at the, start at the end, get the playbook and read through the what uh, Briggs and Stratton has done here because it's it's powerful stuff. And it is the new age, right? I mean, the same people, the same digital natives who expect you to have and embrace and enhance and, um, you know, and equip with technology are also the ones that are staying away in droves from, from the jobs that Chewy, um, you know, is automating, by the way, in, in a lot of their fulfillment centers and a lot of the, the jobs that automation is addressing. It's not taking anybody's job now because people don't want these jobs and mm. more and more companies are automating or enabling with technology because fewer and fewer people want the jobs that these digital natives know can and should be done by technology. So we're at a really, I think, a very, very good place in history by being able to enable efficiencies and uh, stabilities in organizations and and um, sustainabilities in organizations and sacrifice almost no one's job and elevate humans to jobs that that are more suited to our skills. I mean, who wants to drive screws anymore? I mean, you, you can do that Absolutely. much more effectively, much less dangerously, and much less monotonously for human beings. So, and let human beings, you know, oversee the efficiencies or the, um, you know, the quality control errors and that sort of thing and re, you know, retune or whatever it takes to, to do that, because that is where humans have their gifts. And I think, this is a great enabling strategy here, what Briggs and Stratton has done. Excellent. Uh, and I tell Absolutely. you, the, the company has gone through a massive change in the last, uh, I'll call it uh, 10 years in particular, 10, 15 years. It is definitely not your grandmother or your grandfather's Briggs and Stratton. Right. Um, Kevin. Well, the mower that you used to have to pull 10 times to get started when I was a right. It's not that at all. And it hasn't been. And this is all. Ooh, this is a quote old school company, right? You know, they, right. you know, two stroke engines, right? Right. <laughs> right. Well, it and that, digitally transformed two stroke engines, right? <laughs> well, and before it made massive amounts of shifts from a production standpoint, supply chain standpoint, um, probably digital transformation, you name it. It employed tens of thousands of folks based in Milwaukee, uh, Wisconsin. In fact, I've been there in, in a prior lifetime. Uh, a lot of good people, but man, it, it's it has tried to transform to stay more competitive in uh, the current landscape. Now, folks, to connect the dots, uh, you you may not remember the Briggs and Stratton, which is is more probably closely associated with the engine itself versus some of the products like uh, Snapper. That was my first uh, Greg and Kevin. That was the first lawnmower wow. that I learned to cut grass on. Mm. It had the handlebar. Hand, of course, I did some push mowing too. But remember the old <laughs> tricycle handlebar hand, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, steering wheel? So a uh, really great business study there from Briggs & Stratton. Kevin, uh, your last word before we uh, start to wrap up today's episode, The Buzz. Well, you know, we, we talked a lot about um, the importance of technology to enable the humans and to manage the robots. Um, that's that's where we are. Um, that's business today. It's not business tomorrow. So if you're not already doing that, you are behind. Yeah. And this this, this uh, supply chain mesh 
that we, we, we live in. It's digital transformation is not just inside your corporate walls. It's also outside your corporate walls and you have to digitally transform your, your supply chain ecosystem, all of your partners. Um, and, you know, I talked a little about new um, agreements uh, that you have to put in place. Those agreements are, are typically focused on how do you exchange digital information and digital data with your partners. The, uh, the APIs I talked about um, earlier, the API economy is all about enabling your ecosystem. Mm. All right. A lot of good stuff there, uh, Kevin. And that's a nice little summary. Greg, I know what I was going to ask you about before. Before, So we're about to get a snapshot of coming attractions for our Digital Transformers series that Kevin leads here. Right. It's been a banner year. Before we get there, Greg, I know what I want to ask you. So the woo, going back to the Chewy story, the whole <laughs> Woo Doggies, uh, that was, I bet, uh, Caleb Nelson yeah. with our friends over at Sifted. Right. We, had a, we had a great webinar last week and maybe – uh, Catherine, Amanda, thanks for what you do. Maybe y'all can drop a link uh, for folks could check that out on an on-demand basis. But um, we talked about Sparks, uh, Sparks, Nevada. We talked about not doing freight like it's 1982. Uh, they're doing some really special things uh, and, and, and changing uh, our approach there. Uh, what was your one of your favorite parts beyond the the Woo Doggies? Well, it's hard to talk Woo Doggies. And you know, the thing you have to recognize is that Caleb is from Texas. So that is a very common Midwestern at least when we were little kids, it was right. Ooh, doggies. Um, <laughs> uh, and, uh, so that's a very common refrain. Uh, but what I think it, uh, you know, to the point of some of these stories we've talked about today, I think that, that the discussion we have with sifted was very relevant because it talks about, again, another means of creating viability in last mile delivery in particular um, for all of these e-commerce companies, because the first thing we talked about was yet another price increase um, from UPS and the remarkable coincidence of <laughs> the fact that the one from FedEx was precisely the same. So um, mm. you know, I think that um, uh, Caleb did not use the word collusion. No, Kevin, he didn't. Thanks for asking. <laughs> um, and I didn't either. I didn't say that. Um, I did not say that there was collusion at all, ever. Uh, right. No, and there's no reason to believe that there ever would be. But um, monopolistic tendencies—I uh, <laughs> think that's the term. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, but but you know, I think that that there is hope for e-commerce because of some of the things we talked about. That being a lot of these regional and specialty carriers and co competitors to the big, you know, the big uh, providers. Amazon being one of them, frankly, I mean, and um, and many, many others deliver and bring and dozens, hundreds of others, part runner, uh, all kinds of companies that deliver either specific types of products um, or to a specific area or are just a straight competitor to some of these bigger carriers for whom, in, in all fairness to them, it is highly inefficient for them to deliver to some areas. And if a small organization can specialize in delivering to coastal islands along the coast of Georgia, right, Gary? Um, that is incredibly valuable to a few of us. So um, it probably doesn't fit the economies of scale of a big company, but it does help the consumer and it does change the nature of commerce. Yeah. Wonderful. Beautiful. Okay, folks, we dropped the link to check out that webinar from last week. You're not going to want to miss it. Very practical take, despite how highly innovative their um, their platform is. I think it was three best, uh, basically three ways to future-proof your shipping in 2023, if I'm not mistaken. So check out the webinar there and let us know what you think. Okay, Kevin L. Jackson, uh, I tell you what, Burning Man is not just a concert because you have been on fire. <laughs> this, this, uh, I think that's a concert, right? Burning Man and a concert down yeah, in Texas. Yeah, or, yeah. Or, Mostly, all right. yeah, it's about an eight day long acid trip, but yeah, okay, they call it a concert. Yeah, but. I didn't call it anything. All right. all right, so I'm showing everybody how uncool I am, but hey, kidding aside, Kevin, I'll tell you, you've been on fire. Digital Transformers has, has really just blown up. Uh, and as we start to wrap this year and get ready for 2023, give us a, a sneak peek of some things that uh, folks can ex expect next year. Well, first of all, I want to just thank you all for um, 
uh, the audience for the gro- the growth that we yeah. have enjoyed. Our most recent uh, show um, that that we we did uh, um, with Microsoft, I think, just went over like uh, three thousand downloads in less than a week. Um, and we we have uh, we have also expanded some of the services that we're doing. So the information that we're going to be providing from companies like AT&T Business is going to expand next year. In fact, we have a LinkedIn Live uh, that we are doing with AT&T Business uh, uh, day after tomorrow, Wednesday of, of this week. Uh, and we're, we're, there's some some bigger na- big names coming, bigger names coming. Uh, hey, we big. have uh, some shows with IBM already uh, lined up. Um, so, uh, you know, this is, the, this is the place to get your information and data. And we also are launching a, a brand new app called Digital Business. Uh, it's going to be available on, uh, for both uh, in Google Play and in the Apple uh, App Store. And it's going to be your location in your pocket for digital transformation education training, information, uh, and a community uh, around digital transformation and creating and building your digital business. So stay tuned. Stay tuned to that. Okay. A lot of good stuff. (laughs) Uh, Look here. Joss uh, Joss says, listening to people on laptops will never (laughs) replace Pink Floyd concerts. Okay, Josh. I love that. You don't like my talking head? I am insulted. Well, hey, Josh and everybody else, no, we couldn't get to a lot of comments today. We had a lot, we had a big full plate, but uh, thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much for being a part of the whole supply chain now journey uh, this year. Greg, we have had a blast uh, with uh, between buzz, um, buzz sessions, webinars, live streams, uh, of course, written, more and more written content. Greg, it's been uh, a year to, for us to hang on to our hat, right? Yeah, it has, and uh, big stuff to come. I had to take that from you, Scott. Um, well, we're exploring <laughs> all kinds of new formats for next year, um, and you know, and really um, focusing the content on what the people are asking for, which is more and more meeting the practitioners that are doing it every day, the people that are solving those problems for them every day, and and continue continuing to drive the craft forward. So uh, it's always a fun year. Love, you know, of course. Uh, sitting down and talking with you guys, of course, but also with um, so many of our repeat guests and uh, the audiences that share us from time or or join us from time to time. Love sharing uh, information about this incredible practice. And, um, you know, finally, thankfully, people are recognizing the importance of, of supply chain. And I think we would all love to, all of us consumers, as consumers and as practitioners in supply chain, would love for it to just be assumed to be working again, even though we have the awareness of it. Wouldn't we just love to be to be able to assume that all other things are equal um, in supply chain and all is good and right with the world? Oh man, I tell you, wow. well said there, Greg. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, folks, like like Greg said on the front end of his answer, uh, when it comes to the people. You got to do what Natalie Merchant suggested and give them what they want. That's what we're focused in on in 2023. Okay. Yeah, that's a good one, huh? Okay. Uh, Kevin, always a pleasure. Appreciate your appearances here. Again, folks, he will be, Kevin, we joined us, will be joining us on the Digital Transformers edition of Supply Chain Buzz on the second Monday of each month, starting in February. Every month. I'm there. Kevin, looking forward to it. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and Greg, always a pleasure to knock out these episodes with you. Uh, what a full, wonderful, uh, uh, holistic episode today, huh? Yeah, I love whenever Kevin comes in, not a supply chain guy at first. <laughs> I'm not a supply chain guy. At no. first, but we're, we're training <laughs> him up and he's doing likewise, training us up on the value of digital transformation. And it is amazing how often those two practices um, come together, right? Um, it is a... It, so critical to understand. Synergistic. That's synergistic. Synergy. There you go. Critical. Synergy. I like that. <laughs> yeah. All well, right. It's. I mean, it's very now and future. That's right. 
That's right. Uh, and as Sylvia Judy says, uh, Merry Christmas, wishing you health and happiness in 2023. And uh, Shelly Phillips as well. Uh, Josh says, this group has saved my bacon countless times since the pandemic started. Thank you for the show. Bacon. Hey, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad we can help in any way. And I think this group helps everyone as well. I know that some of these people come together offline and and help one another uh, progress their their skills. And I heartily encourage you to engage with all the folks here. That's great advice. Uh, all right. So with that said, hey, thank you, Shelly. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Sylvia. Thank you, all the other folks, uh, um, T-Squared, uh, Gary, all the folks we couldn't hit today. Hey, happy holidays, happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, happy new year. Hope you have a wonderful um, end to your 2022 and you get ready to get roaring out of the gates for 2023 because it's coming. It's right around the corner. Again, to our production team, Catherine and Amanda, Chantel, Clay, you name it. Thank you all for what you do. appreciate you enabling us to engage with these wonderful leaders around the world. But folks, whatever you do, take take and act on something that Kevin or Greg or anyone, anyone folks said in the comments Take action, deeds, not words. And with that, Scott Luton challenging you to do good, to give forward, and to be the change. And we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now.